what is up everybody welcome back it is down in the dms it is what is it today thursday, thursday? june 20th my birthday is in nine days i don't know if that matters to not anybody, a big deal but it should uh, i'll be 20 um did something a little bit different today boys and girls we have a nuclear scientist nuclear engineer andy ganey on the podcast friend of the program uh we finally fucked around and did it talked a lot of things chernobyl the show great show the accuracy, the propaganda. We talked about pros and cons of going nuclear, um, nuclear worldwide, different sources of renewable energy. Very, very fun interview. Charlie, before we get into it, what were your thoughts overall on it? Well, Andy's How'd always been, Andy's always been a great friend He's of got mine. Great hair. He Andy's does got have great hair. He has a great hair. He has a great beard too. Uh, he recently just shaved it off, but I expect that he'll grow it back. Yeah, uh, he's just an overall attractive guy. Smart good guy. looking dude. Yeah, good looking Smart. dude. Got it all. Some people have it all, and Andy's one of them. So, yeah. We're going to kick it to that. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. All right, guys. We're here with my friend Andy. Andy, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, how you know me, what you do for a living, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, name's Andy, as Charlie said. I uh, graduated from UF, a uh, nuclear engineer. Um, I work for a nuclear engineering company, so hopefully I can shed some light on uh, the nuclear industry today. Um, I was thinking about it. Uh, our families have actually known each other for, what, maybe 20 years now? If not longer than that, yeah. Yeah, so known Charlie for quite a while, kind of grew up together, so uh, love, love, the sh- love the podcast and glad to be here. Happy cool. to have you. Yeah. Happy to have you. When Thanks did you stop here. going by Andrew, or what was the progression of your name throughout your childhood? Uh, one day, my parents just started calling me Andy, and that was kind of uh, where it went. Never got any cool nicknames? Uh, a couple of my buddies in uh, Jacksonville call me Anderson. Yeah, that's Ooh. a good joke, too, every once in a while. So uh, that's, probably, that's probably my favorite one. All right. Uh, Mick Ultra or Bud Light? <laughs> Definitely the Mickey U. Okay. Gotta go like with that. it. Um, who, I mean, you can't okay. go wrong with either, right? But Of course. Aside from Tim Tebow, who is the best quarterback UF has had in your lifetime? Danny Werfel. There's only two answers, down. yeah. I mean, That's I, I snitched on myself. Research, as, bro. As not, I mean, I have no research. Two no Heis- research. The only two Heisman Trophy winners. Well, I, don't know who, I don't know who the other guy. I have no idea who that is. Zero clue who that is. I actually have his action figure. It's pretty you strange. do? <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, can, the, can the folks at home see this, Charlie, or no? No, we're not. Well, I guess maybe we can publish video, but that's that's way too much. That's work. too much work for me. I'm I'm pro not doing work. One last rapid fire question here: NFL or college football? Definitely college. And set up. All right. Easy. So, okay, well, then, when are we gonna do? Should we do the ask a scientist questions first? Yeah. Do we want to get the ask a scientist questions away? Yeah. Let's, well, yeah, I'll, let's do that. We're going to ask a scientist some questions here. So we finally have a scientist scientist. on the podcast. I mean, technically, (laughs) most people would classify, like, what is, I don't know, science. It works. That's kind of the whole bit. You're science-y. You're a scientist. I can't can't use a scientist. We have a a few questions we've come up with over the the course of the podcast that they're science-based questions, but, like, not really. And since you're, like, the close, you're smarter than both of us combined when it comes to science, so... We'd, we'd love your thoughts. Hey, so first enough. question we got for you is, what is carbonation? And like in soda, like why does it exist? And you can say why? you don't know, but like give it your best shot. Why does it exist? Like what's, what's its purpose? Like it's in like beer, but like not as much. Like why is there so much in soda? What's the point of it? I have no idea. All right. Absolutely no idea. Neither do we. Neither That's do we. Like, we'll let you know well, when we find out. We're well, 0 for 2 on asking scientists that question. Um. Charlie, do you want to explain one. your warming the heart in the shower question? Because this is this is yeah. So I have a theory. Um, my theory is that you can warm your entire body temperature in the shower by having the shower head spray directly on your heart, and therefore the water is warming up your blood that's flowing through your heart, and it goes all throughout your body because blood travels all throughout your body. Obviously, what are your thoughts on that? Is that true or? I would venture to guess that your internal body heat is enough of a heat shield that that would not raise the temperature Ooh. of your blood and your heart. 
Wow. That sounds smart enough that I'm just going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take shield and he said heat shield. I was done. Yeah. Um, and then the next one's about your diesel tank peeing in your diesel tank. Uh, yeah. So can you pee? Doesn't sound like it would work. Well, so you have to put this stuff in the diesel tank called DEF diesel exhaust fluid. And the whole idea is that it, uh, it lowers like the burning temperature to like reduce the amount of black smoke. But I found out that all the DEF is, is just pig urine. So instead of paying a, like 15 bucks a gallon for DEF, can I just pee in the gas tank or in the diesel tank? I would not venture to say yes. Cause I would hate for you to do that and it not work. Yeah. Fair enough. Covering your tracks. I like that. So very smart, but like off the record, you're not held responsible for it unofficially. As a unofficially, do you think it would work? I don't see why it wouldn't. Oh, okay. All right. Is that? I don't know the uh, chemical composition of urine and different mammals, but it's got to be similar. close, right? It's, it's got to be, be close. close. They're mammals, right? I think they're mammals. Oh yeah. All right, Probably Ben. For nitrogen. Ben, your next question. My next question. Read well, it exactly how it is. Do girls, you know, is it different? Because of the leap year. Wait, what? Say that again? Interpret like, that do, how you will. To girls, like, you know, like, every month, like, is it different because of the leap year? Like, does the extra day, like, screw up the cycles? I would imagine so. Yeah, right? Right? Probably. Is it, like, right? is it split equally? Is it, like, just one? It's like, man. Does it just kind of change, like, a little bit every four years? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Is it? We don't know. Hey, it's unconfirmed. Makes sense. Unconfirmed. Yeah, we'll leave lost. it unconfirmed. All right. Connection lost. We're good. I wasn't pretty. I was not good at any of those except for maybe the heat shield. All right. So we'll I move connection, in. I, I connection lost. There's like there's like a bunch more left, but that's okay. We'll move into real questions. That okay. You yep. More. Oh, hold on. We have one more. One more question that I, I want. One more. Ask a scientist that you want to get down. Yes. How is it? How is the Earth tilted if it's a sphere? Because everyone always says the Earth is tilted on its axis, but it's a sphere. So how the hell? It's a sphere, dog. Because uh, uh, the mag the magnetic poles are tilted. Oh, it's just okay. like compared to like how like the pole it rotates so around. Like, so due north pole, yes, the way it rotates. Due north pole is slightly off ninety degree angle. I don't know what angle it is. But when okay, they say so, that, they're referring to the north and south pole, which is generating the Earth's magnetic field. Okay, so where does my compass point? Does it point north or where the magnetic wherever north. the magnetic north is? Magnetic north. Magnetic north is north. So what's, so what's north? Where's the axis? Where does it go? Is it like in the Bering Sea somewhere? Like, it's the north pole. It's but like it's not different. that far away. It's like a little different. It's like a few miles skewed. It's like not perfect, but it's close enough. I still don't buy it. I think it's mumbo jumbo. So we're going to move into some nuclear stuff here. Yeah. Speaking of stuff that won't be confusing for either of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe Andy can explain it away for us. So you are you work for a nuclear company. Um, you've told me off the podcast, off the record, that you believe that it's the way to go. Why is that? So I definitely think it's part of the needs to be part of the solution. Um, I want to definitely preface this by saying I think we need all forms of green energy, uh, zero carbon emission energy. You know, wind, solar, geothermal, tidal. I know we'll get to those a little bit later. Can you power rank them real quick, though? Oh yeah, quick power rankings of non-nuclear renewable energy sources. I would say currently nuclear, um, hydro, but hydro is essentially maxed out. Um, wind, solar, um, and then geothermal. Okay. The, the power rating for me. Thank you. Thank you for that. Ben, you want to hit the power ratings? Ben, you want to hit him with the next question? This is not ha- okay. Yeah, hold on. I was going to scroll all the way down. Why'd you put them at the bottom of the notes? That's I don't funny. know. You know, you know that our notes are like very 
I was like looking for them organized. this morning. I'm like, these are at the very bottom. They're okay. all the way at the bottom. That's easier than them being like somewhere in the middle somewhere. Okay. So so we've established that nuclear is the way to go. But what what sets it apart? What makes it what makes it the the top spot? Yeah, why what, should everybody So why like why is wind This pizza's really good by the way. I'm just why why is wind and solar the things that everybody's always touting it that people are always, you know, hyping up? Why is it, is it just because, you know, nuclear is scary or is there some science behind that or? It's a, yeah, it's definitely a combination of nuclear is a bit scary to people and wind and solar are the sexy thing right now. Um, the reason why wind and solar currently aren't as good in my opinion as nuclear is their intermittency issues, which I'm sure you guys are well aware of. It's not always windy and it's not always sunny. So what do we do when it's not windy or sunny at one of these large wind or solar farms? They essentially burn natural gas. So you see countries like Germany, which have trying to move away from nuclear, are moving up in their wind and solar. However, they've seen an uptake or an increase in greenhouse gas, greenhouse gas emissions. And that's due solely to needing to burn natural gas during intermittent periods. Interesting. Another thing, well, another thing with wind and solar is that when they overproduce, say you have a really windy day, that energy goes onto the grid. It's got to go somewhere. It can't just bounce around on the grid forever. So if you don't have enough demand for that and you don't have, which we don't, good enough battery technology to store that excess energy, you then end up having to pay somebody else to take it off your hands. So wind and solar Hmm. are essentially the most expensive forms of energy we have. Huh. I did this. I knew a little bit about the, um, like it's hard to store, but I didn't realize that like once it enters the grid, it can't really, it has to be used. They can't just like kind of chill there for a while. And that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned natural gas. Now I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. I understand it's a fossil fuel kind of, but like, can you explain to me? And I guess the listeners, this is the, I'm, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, What's it called? The layman? Is, the that, layman. is that what the word? Yeah, the layman. I'm going to be the voice of, I don't know what the hell is going on. The voice of many. Natural gas. How is that different than like oil? And how is it different than coal? It's, I know it's similar, but not the exact same. Well, so the first thing is, is that when you have fracking, when they figured out how to frack, it made natural gas extremely cheap. And of the three major fossil groups coal, oil, and natural gas, as you mentioned, natural gas is by far the cleanest. Now, it's still not a clean source of energy. It still emits carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. However, it pales in comparison to, say, coal. Uh, so, so a lot of times, it's the lesser of three evils, so to speak. Physically, physically, how it's different. Uh, I got a couple buddies who are in the uh, oil and gas industry. I can bring them on and have that explain that to you for you a little more. Great right. industry to be in for working, though. I will say. Oh yeah, a lot, well. of, a lot they of money there. Well. They pay well. So, we talked earlier about nuclear being scary to people, and I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions behind that. Can you explain why people are scared and what some of those misconceptions are? What are the myths? What are the truths? All that stuff. Yeah, I'll, um, I guess I'll start at a high level and, and just say it. The whole industry was started to build and was used as a bomb. So people kind of associate nuclear power with nuclear weapons, and that's not the case. We can get into that a little bit later if you'd like. Um, But that fear gets reiterated for a few different generations. Obviously, you know, our parents' generation, the duck and cover age of the Cold War, were constantly in fear of nuclear fallout. Um, people of our generation, we watch the Simpsons. Homer Simpson is a, you know, for lack of better words, an idiot. And he's supposed to be the one operating the nuclear plant with no other checks and balances. So there's been a lot of things that have negatively portrayed nuclear. A lot of times those are for the gain or benefit of other industries. Big oil. We're like anti big oil and like big anything on this podcast. I think we're officially anti big oil. Big laundry. What else would be anti, Charles? Uh, big dairy. Big dairy. Big pharma. Big, big pharma. Well, obviously, oh, obviously. Big pharma. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
and like big i think big like chair maybe i, I would be for chairs or something for some reason but boy you have to go back and listen to this past episodes big oil out. we are we are woke on big oil we are not letting them pull the wool over our eyes anymore yeah, so, so i will i do kind of have an example here uh, oh yeah oh, let's yeah. go plug charlie uh, i know i recommended you watch pandora's promise highly recommend that for anyone who wants to learn further about nuclear I was told uh, to not watch it until after the interview, so I could like be flying blind. Yeah, here. I was gonna have I'm Ben. To I was gonna have Ben to uh, watch it to prepare for this interview, but then I was like, no, it'd probably be better if he just came in as a completely idiot. Perfect. Yep. Do it. Perfect. But in that documentary, they do show an ad in Long Island, New York, placed by the oil and gas delivery company, saying, "No nuclear, no nuclear." Go solar. All you need solar panels. Tell me how that's going to work in Long Island in the winter. Yeah, not, I mean, it's it's not no, going to work. It's definitely no secret that Big Oil is one of the most corrupt organizations, and they do the most lobbying and all of that stuff to try and keep themselves on top. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, money talks. Money does talk. We talked earlier. Um, you, I mean, you literally just mentioned The Simpsons and how that had – a measurable impact on people's uh, mindsets regarding nuclear. The reason why nuclear is kind of getting back in the discussion right now is because of Chernobyl on HBO. You know, a whole a whole fuck ton of people have watched Chernobyl. Excellent miniseries. Very, very good. Uh, kind of, you want to just give us like some thoughts on how how you felt about Chernobyl? I know you watched it, you know, what what was accurate, what was inaccurate, what was uh, blown to scale, you know, that kind of stuff? Totally. No, um, you know, I think they did, you know, first off, like you guys were saying, great documentary. If you haven't watched it, you totally should. Um, and if you canceled HBO after Game of Thrones, it sucks. Um, <clears throat> it's a bum they, move. If you know that you're a bum. That's a fact. Yeah, no doubt. Chernobyl, it was it was it was good. It was actually very accurate. They, they did their research very well. Um, they really did outline the breakdowns in the Soviet culture that could lead to something like that happening. Um, they explained somewhat towards the end um, how it was a cheaper design, didn't have as many safety features as we currently have, um, and that, that also led to the, the disaster. Um, <clears throat> I thought the depiction, and there's actually a, a podcast that goes along with that, but they said, you know, they've had people who lived in that time period near there who actually did work at the facility, and they said they got all the all the buildings correct, the control room was to the T, so they really did do their research. Um, definitely. Uh, yeah. And the actors I, did I, a great job, too. I, like, thoroughly enjoyed every single actor in that show. Absolutely, and, you know, like, being... I thought it was going to be, you know, like a seriously anti-nuclear docu uh, docu series. I guess we're going to call it. Uh, but I, I went into it like not wanting to like it, and I, I loved it. So it was, it was good. So there was a lot of things in there that um, were kind of, uh, I don't know how you how you'd say it, but they they weren't really important to the show. But to me, they were very important. Things like, uh, you know. Uh, readings on uh, like monitors and stuff like that. So can we just kind of establish, you know, what all of that means? What are some uh, terms, buzzwords, phrases, stuff that we need to know to be able to have uh, an educated opinion about this kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah. Um, they make those, those things about as confusing as they can. Uh, but, um, essentially what you really need to know is in, in this series, they talk a lot about Ronkin You'll hear 2.6 Ronkin or 15 Ronkin. That is essentially a measure of exposure, which it describes the amount of radiation that's essentially in an area. So how much radiation is flying through the air? Um, that is then different from say what your absorbed dose is. So depending on how sick you're going to get or how affected by the radiation you're going to get is going to be measured by your absorbed dose. And that's essentially how much of the radiation in the air was actually absorbed into your skin or 
ingest in your body somehow. Does that rate differ based on like your size as a person or is it like what, 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 what alters like your absorption rate as a person? Um, I would say that there's actually an even further description of radiation that goes beyond absorbed dose that accounts for, so that would be called the dose equivalent. So there's going to be different radiation particles that are going to be more or less damaging to different parts of your body. Um, there are differences between men and women. Um, and obviously if you're a middle-aged healthy adult, you could probably receive a higher dose or, um, dose equivalent than say an infant or someone who is a little bit older. Um, but really it just matters what kind of radiation you're absorbing, how you're absorbing it. And so for example, when you go get your dentist, or All right, hold up. We lost you there. The for, we lost you there for a second. Can we can we rewind like ten seconds? We did. I didn't lose him. Oh, did I lost him? him. the The recording lost him. That's what's important. You were talking sure. about, for example, and then we lost you. At the, oh, you at the dentist for, office. You're at the dentist office getting an X-ray. They put the vest over your basically your chest, and it comes up to your neck. That's to protect against your, your thyroid and a lot of your other internal organs, which are going to be much more susceptible to radiation damage than, say, something in my foot or my hand, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so they go and hide behind a blast wall, and they shoot you with radiation. It's a total scam. It's like, here's this lead vest. I'm going to go hide behind this barrier. What's the deal with that? So if, the deal if, with if, that is is it also has to do with how long you're exposed. So you can receive a high dose in a short amount of time, i.e. it's not really a high dose relatively, but you, the patient, getting an x-ray one time isn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. That radiation tech who does 50 x-rays a day really Uh needs to to go behind the the shielded wall. So that's essentially why that happens. So the shielded wall made of? Because it's lead in the the show. But like I know, lead's like a, a not as like not 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 in anymore. Lead's out. So like, what do they use instead? I'm pretty sure lead is still in. It's still lead. That's the only thing they use. You were misinformed, Ben. Uh, use... Well, I mean, like lead, they took out of pencils and paint. Like they like I don't know. Figure they took it out of blast shields, but I guess not. Why would they do that? I don't know. I don't know what lead's for. I'm not a scientist. So in the show, um, a lot of th- they were called dosimeters, right? That yes. get the readings. Yes. So it's 3.2, as high as it goes. It was 3.2 Mild, was as high bad. as it goes, but it turns out that that was that's just like the reading of the uh, of the dosimeter they had, and it was actually a lot higher than that. Uh, that was funny. Like thousands, it was nuts. But yeah, so yeah. so um, what like can you give us like off the top of your head, you know, put that to scale for us. You know, what's like a lethal dose for human beings? Yeah, like what's three? And then so what's, if we like, if we does... see them walking around and it's like. 50 ronkin you know what does that mean so again it goes back to 50 ronkin if you stand next to that for a long time it'll probably kill you like instantly or like over time will give you like cancer and kill you it'll give you ars acute radiation syndrome acute radiation syndrome or sickness good very nice pull that one out yeah no so it, it, and again, it varies by person, yeah. um, male or female, but I would say usually someone who's exposed to 500 rem, which is essentially, let me just check my math here. Numbers guy over here. Would be 500 Ronkin. So if you stand next to something that's 500 Ronkin for an hour, you're probably going to die. That's How not good. Oh yeah. Like, is it like? It does. Instant? Well, I guess it like doesn't matter because if you're exposed, like you're gonna die. Well, I mean, like, well, like you prefer, those people in the you hospital prefer to die like, like sooner rather than later. later than as opposed to the the old guy who died like super late, like five years later. Like, what's the? the so going back to the documentary, the the people who were essentially the bio robots on the roof, yeah. they're getting exposed to what we said, 15,000 Ronkin. Jesus. And they're want. dead. They're dead within what? But they were allowed to run up there for 90 seconds. They because, did yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense, yeah. 
So you can calculate how much dose they would get and roughly what someone would need to get acute radiation sickness. And you can make sure that they stay out there only for that amount of time. So it works. So like that was like not foolproof, but like they, yeah. So they were they were safe. Wasn't the best idea. So <laughs> in wasn't an ideal situation. So no. in that uh in that documentary you told me to watch, uh, Pandora's Promise, they talked about how, you know, at the end of Chernobyl, it you know gives you like the amount of people that supposedly died, and then it says you know, still to this day the USSR says that. Or Russia says that um, the official death count was only 31, and in and you know we're we're all like oh fucking bullshit. But at the you know in that documentary, they were talking about how it actually was only about 40 people who died of you know ARS and had you know died directly because of the radiation, and outside of that, the, even the people in Pripyat were. Um, they they experienced normal lives. They didn't experience um, they didn't even experience you know abnormal cancer rates. So what's the deal with that? Are we being who are we being misled by? Are we being misled by pro nuclear? Are we being misled by HBO? So HBO. The, I, sorry, I forgot. I I didn't want to barge in on you, but I forgot that those reports that came up with that like I think it was like forty people total was actually, like, the World Health Organization and the UN who did those reports. Yes, uh, and I'm looking right at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission's website right now, and it actually quotes 134 plant workers and firefighters battled the fire that night. Of those, 28 died from radiation injuries that they sustained. I think there was a few other deaths that were caused by the immediate explosion, engineers in the general vicinity, um, and then... I think Pandora's Promise goes on to say that there may be as many as 4,000 people who have shortened lives due to early onset cancer. Okay, um, I just missed that. That's my bad. So, so that's, no that is is more or less way down the road. It starts to get to a point of did the person just get cancer because it, you know cancer is pretty prevalent in our society, or did they get it because they were actually from specifically from the Chernobyl radiation? I think uh, the documentary uses the term uh, significant, significantly indeterminate. There's no way you could actually link the two, especially with something like Fukushima. Um, so I think HBO definitely dramatized that to an extent. Uh, but I, I, it's definitely a little bit more than the, you know, necessarily 28 people they said because of the potential cancers. Right. Well, the reason I wanted to bring that up and I wanted to start talking about that was we talked earlier about there being a lot of misconceptions and people being really scared about nuclear. And I just wanted to start talking about how maybe those aren't so warranted, especially in today's day and age with the technology that we use and our modern nuclear plants and all of that stuff. So really, how safe are we? There's a nuclear plant you know, 30 minutes away from where I'm sitting right now in Columbia, how safe am I? Yeah, that'd be the VC summer plant. Um, you are as safe as if you go get on an airplane and fly on an airplane. Um, one flight from New York to California, so let's say New York to LA, would give you just as much dose as living next door to a nuclear power plant for an entire year. Nuclear has the second best, you would say, mortality rate of any energy-generating industry, second to only wind. Surprising enough, the solar industry actually has a higher mortality rate. How? What What are they doing in solar work that's, like, killing people? Like, I feel like the wind guys would, like, fall off the, the windmills once in a while. That's possible, but making making the solar panels is an extremely toxic process. How harmful is that environmentally, the making of the solar panel? Uh, that's uh, still up for debate. Uh, there's technically no regulations, to my knowledge, on how you need to dispose of mm -hmm. old solar panels. And yeah. it's certainly not good for the environment. Yeah. Uh, so that, the jury's still out on that one. Yeah. Speaking of disposal, 
what about you know the spent nuclear waste you know can it be recycled or you know eventually it's past the point of recycling what do we do with it how can you know what environmental impact does that have so yes to answer your first question it is essentially recyclable it's a process called reprocessing you take the old nuclear fuel you take out the mechanical structure of what's holding the fuel assembly together you strip out the good stuff you put it into a new assembly and you put it right back into the reactor we're not technically we're not technically allowed to do that here in the united states (laughs) because of the government but france does it all the time France's generates roughly 80, 75 to 80 percent of their energy from nuclear, and all of their waste fits under the floor in one room. Whoa. So it's it's possible to reprocess the waste. Currently, nuclear waste in the United States, anyway, stays on site. It sits in what's called the spent fuel pool um, for 10 to 30 years. And then they'll dry it, what's called dry it off and put it in a dry cask storage, which is a pretty simple, large cement container. And it just sits there. Um, what is what makes what's the reason that we we aren't allowed to reuse the uh, fuel here in America? Like, is it less stable? Is it what's what's the what's the threat? Nothing scientifically or engineering is limiting us from doing it. And that will be my answer on that question. It's essentially Ooh. political. Oh, diplomatic Ooh, answer. Okay. I like diplomatic that. Diplomatic answer. So Bring why, the swamp. So Let's do it. I mean, while we're talking about politics, why is it that there's pushback from uh Big oil, lawmakers? dude. Come on. Keep up. Keep up. Yeah, I know. Revolving door. I know. But I, I, I want... The big oil's in the pockets of our senators, Charlie. Read a book. I want Andy's take on it. There's, there's is that essentially that. it? There's absolutely that. And... Um, Oftentimes, with many issues, if one party likes it, the other party's not going to. So that's just the nature of the bipartisan system that we live in. Back and forth. Okay. I believe um, the Democrats, you could say, would be more in favor of nuclear. Um, so they're right from there, you're going to have the Republicans against it. And it really does tie back to a lot of the Republicans are funded, their campaigns are funded by super PACs. Which I wonder where that money is coming from. Huh. Huh. All right. Mm. Really makes you think, Charlie. Really makes you think. It really does. So going back to the actual safety of making uh, nuclear power, we've already kind of established that it's very safe and it's very clean. But, you know, just how safe is it? Uh, Whatever science we have in place, whatever measures we have to prevent it, in the end, it is still an unstable core. And um, so there is the threat that something could go wrong somehow, some way. How possible is that? How likely is that? What can you shed light on there? So, yeah, uh, to have a plant license, it goes through, obviously, a rigorous safety analysis. Um Accidents are simulated, um, safety limits are, are generated, and that's essentially what I do. Um, I calculate where to shuffle different fuels so that we can meet those safety parameters. Uh, as long as those safety parameters are maintained, the safety systems at the plant, which are always maintained in parallel, which that means if one train fails, there will be another one, which is a backup. So for if an accident does happen, the safety systems will kick on and shut the plant down and maintain the core in a cooled, coolable geometry is what we like to say, uh, not melting down. Um, <clears throat> for something like that to happen, I'll use Fukushima for an example here. It has to be what we call beyond design basis accident. It's essentially more or less an act of God. So you know, Fukushima was the most recent nuclear accident we have. Uh, and it kind of got muddled with the fact that it was caused by a tsunami that killed over 20,000 yeah, people. Yeah, giant earthquake and a tsunami. Yeah. Like, without that, like, that doesn't happen. But, so, you know, mean, in, but in, that in, is real. That does happen. There are tsunamis, there's hurricanes, there's tornadoes. How can I know that I'm safe 
if I know there's a hurricane coming, there's a tornado coming, there's a tsunami coming, in the end, yeah. you know, I'm still not safe. Good, good question. Um, and I'll use a hurricane for an example. Um, plants are designed to withstand earthquakes. They're engineered to design, stand up to, especially depending on where they are. Uh, if you're right on the coast, they're, they're designed to take hurricanes. They're designed to deal with flooding. They're designed to deal with tornadoes. Uh, so an example, a plant that I worked with um, is the South Texas units. It's on the coast in Texas, probably about 60, 50, 60 miles south of Houston. When Hurricane, what was it, Hurricane Harvey blew through there and half right. of Houston was underwater, both reactors on site didn't come down in power once for the entire time. So they maintained through arguably one of the worst hurricanes in recent memory and just kept on operating like nothing was wrong. And they what... do have st- Go ahead. I was going to say they do have stipulations in place where if conditions deteriorate below a certain level, they have to shut the core down and maintain in a safe shutdown mode. Okay. Good to know. Good to know I'm safe. Good. And there's, one, there's a there's a power plant near me up in uh, Plymouth. I don't know if you. I don't know how. I, I I don't know what the the talk of the nuclear power plant community is. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they like voted to shut it down like ten years ago or so because everybody was like super worried about it. And I never got. Come on, Yankee. I don't. Yeah. I, I I don't know what it's called, but I know it's in around in the Plymouth area. They yeah, it, it was. Um. It was so older first one, of too. all. I think a lot of it, a lot feeds into it now with natural gas being so cheap in certain markets and different states, it's a lot harder for nuclear plants to economically compete. Mm -hmm. So that's always a driving factor. Um, But again, the public outcry was the main driver behind shutting down Vermont Yankee. They raised enough Mm -hmm. of a, you know, hullabaloo. We had to make stink about it. People took notice. And like you said, the plant was aging. It probably wasn't as cost-efficient as it used to be, so they just made the decision to, it was easier to, uh, in my opinion, a very short-sighted decision because the infrastructure at nuclear plants is designed to last upwards of 80 years and safely yeah. operate. So what do they do um, with the, the core that they, or what, what what's left of the radioactive material when they shut down an entire plant? So it's a process called decommissioning. I'm actually not very familiar with it. Um, it it is a service that different companies offer, um, and every plant has a decommissioning fund. So you it's can't like a- get your op- you can't get your operating license unless you have the money to decommission if you need to. So that's never going to be a concern. I don't actually know. I imagine they would take all the fuel out, have the fuel come down, as I said earlier, put it into dry cast storage and then just store it near the reactor. Just like wait it out. They'd have to maintain, yeah, you're going to probably, you're going to have to have your security force. You're still going to have to have people working there and monitoring it. So it's, that's like for like years, not just like a few like years, right? Earlier you mentioned, um, you know, the only way that something could go wrong was an act of God. What about an act of man? You know, what if ISIS wants to come in and take the nuclear fuel and turn it into something weaponized? What, you know, what's the procedure there? Is it, poss- is it even possible scientifically? What's the deal there? That's like um, a true concern. I don't think you can just like go in have. there and steal a nuclear reactor, Chuck. I don't think you can just like throw it in a backpack so, and skirt. High-level points, while that wouldn't really make too much sense, is nuclear fuel is nowhere near as enriched as you would need to make a bomb. What about if they, like, attack the facility? Like, yeah, what if they, up... like, launch a missile at it or some shit? That's, that's, that's more likely. So they, the containment building is designed to take a direct hit from, I think it's an F-16 fighter jet. Ooh. Kamikaze style. So that was something that Chernobyl did not have was a containment building. So that's that's not necessarily a concern of mine. As far as good. attacking it, that's as far great. As that's attack- not a good concern. As far as attacking it, uh, you should definitely try and visit a nuclear power plant if you can. It's uh, pretty intimidating. They have like their own little military force. I believe it. They, 
Okay. They do pretty intense training sessions with special forces. Um, so they'll, they'll simulate like different combat situations. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. It's impressive. That's legit. Charles, what this way, there's, there's no way someone's breaking into a facility and stealing fuel. <laughs> even if somehow they did enriching uranium or plutonium for that matter is one of the most complicated processes that you could imagine. There's only what less than 20 countries in the world that know how to do it. Do you so, know how to do it off the top? Like unofficially, we won't tell anybody. If you do say you that, if to... you say that you're, you know how to do it, then we'll cut this part out. Yeah. No, I, we won't. I you mean, can I wink at us. You can wink at us. You can give your answer and then wink at yeah, us. Yeah, if you wink at us, then we or they just can't give us a nod. Face, then yeah, they can't see you. Pretty sure you can look it up. What? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to look it up. I don't want to look it Some up. No dark one look web it up. We're not getting on. We're not getting on any on any. We're not list. promoting anybody out there to <laughs> look that Google shit up. Enrich your That's please. how Tim Cook is going to take us off of iTunes. No, we don't need that. We don't we need that. Cut this whole segment now. Yeah. Please. God damn it. We were just we just got on his good graces. So. What's, um, we've talked a lot about nuclear, obviously, that's why you're here, um, but what are some other sources of renewable energy to, all in all, what, you know, the goal for all of this is we want to help save the planet, you know, climate change is a real problem that needs to be addressed, and nuclear seems like a great option, but what are some other options that are on the table if we're trying to reach that end goal? The balance is key. What's the best balance from an expert? Certain, certainly, uh, balance is definitely key. You want to have uh, energy diverse, a diverse energy portfolio, if you will. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think a, a strong mixture, uh, kind of like I said a little bit earlier, of, of the, the major five, right? So nuclear, wind, solar, geothermal, and tidal. Um, I think having some mixture of those, uh, and, and I think it can change over time as technology develops. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that wind and solar will figure out ways around their intermittency issues. So I think that will be more reliable in the future. But you also have to think from a scalability standpoint. Hydro, you can't dam up every river in the world. So that's somewhat limited. Um, you also, for... Think about how much room you're going to dedicate to solar panels. Yeah. Just uh, off the cuff here, I looked up a number that I thought was pretty astonishing. And the largest solar farm in the world is about 2,500 acres. And it generates a roughly 650 megawatts. Mm -hmm. The two reactors I work with mostly generate 2,400 megawatts, and they sit on less than a couple acres. Jeez. So it's like way when more is, space efficient. It's definitely yeah. more space exactly. efficient for a growing society that's going to reach 9 billion pretty soon. Exactly. So, I mean, wind is the same way. When you start to think about scalability, we're going to have no option but to have a smattering of all these different energy types. So, a lot of people are obviously nobody knows how the fuck nuclear works but luckily that's why we have experts like you that do but people are at least familiar with nuclear wind and solar do you have any information that, about uh tidal and tidal and geothermal that i'm sure a lot of people are hearing about for the first time uh i don't have a ton of information i know how does it work at tidal? least what it, what tides. is it you know how tides okay. work charlie so I know how it fucking plant. works because I just watched a fucking documentary on it. Two of them, Whoa, actually. Two, two F-bombs. Charlie is triggered. Wow. I actually I just watched... Hide it a uh, little better. Hide I, it a little better. Before, before I watched before. the Pandora's I Promise, I watched uh, the new uh, Leo DiCaprio on HBO, the one about The new Leo chain. propaganda? Yeah. It was hella propaganda. They didn't mention cool. nuclear once. I was fucking pissed. But anyways, HBO continue. HBO pretty that way. Continue. Uh, that's why it's... <clears throat> I gotta find out who's in HBO's pockets because it's gotta be big oil. That's my guess. Deep. But yeah, no, essentially the way of nuclear or any power plant for that matter works is it turns a turbine. So 
a dam, you dam up a bunch of water behind it and you let it flow over a turbine and it spins a turbine and you generate energy. Wind is a simpler form. The wind just turns a turbine for you. Nuclear, geothermal, uh, oil, gas, all that generates heat to boil water, turn it into steam, and then the steam is used to turn the turbine. So essentially, geothermal, you just harness the thermal energy of the earth. Tidal or geysers, that kind of jazz. So you're saying that we can essentially use volcanoes as energy sources. It's a bold strategy, but I don't see why not. Is nobody currently doing that? Well, no, because the volcanic... Okay, so what volcanoes are is super hot liquid rock. So if you like poured water on that or like tried to heat water with it, it would just vaporize. Instantly. No, no, no. That's you just it. you just need to use the heat from it. No, you don't it's need to too like hot. Pour, you don't need to pour the fucking water no, know, right on the like, lava. It's too hot. You can't like just hold. But it. you can you can take the air surrounding the lava, put it through some cooling systems to to the point where it cools down just enough to the point where it will boil water and then generate steam. Boom, free energy. Oh, and you're building a power plant on the side of an active volcano, Charlie? That's exactly what the fuck I'm doing to save the fucking planet, Ben. Well, what if it blows up? What if the volcano erupts? You can't have lava and not have an active volcano. Lava's like deep yeah, under the Yeah, check earth. out Hawaii, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's Ever a heard of it? Yeah. Ever heard volcan- of Hawaii? It burnt down like several houses and several thousands of acres of forest. You think that you they wouldn't protect against there. that, bro? How is a power plant going to They build like 60 foot. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. (laughs) They build like 60 foot thick concrete walls that lava can't burn through. I don't think that's how lava works. Lava is like, oh shit, there's a wall here. I don't think I don't think concrete can withstand lava. I have no evidence to back that up. Well, then they just like they build a moat around it. Boom, figured it out. They'd build a moat around it. Vaporize the water. We've been over this. That water not sustainable. No, that water would just say, "Suck my dick." Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen where uh, lava flows into the ocean, bro? You ever seen that? I've won. Yeah, it boils the water immediately, Charlie. Joke's gonna joke's gonna be on you when I figure out how to make energy out of volcanoes. Okay, well, volcanoes are not. Me and Andy are gonna work on that. Confirmed. Me and Andy been me and Andy been working on business schemes for like a couple years now. We're gonna figure that shit out. Let's let's move on. We're moving on. Moving on. We're moving on. What? Where are we at here in this? In this? On these questions, Charlie. I don't know. I think we were talking about tidal and geothermal and how it works. You've been skipping shit. around. Yeah, I don't know. Jack Pitney well, texted I, me. Jack Pitney texted me. He's in the background. He just what texted me. What are you doing, me. Pitney? He said it would be difficult for Hawaii or any other volcano-based landmass to produce energy for the rest of the world. <laughs> You're right, Jack. How do you God transport damn it, the Pitney. energy? Thank you, Jack Pitney. Let's Jack go. Pitney, for the record, is here um, for the week just staying in my apartment. So thanks a lot. He's like sitting in my bedroom right now, he's, listening. He's here for his other, is it for his younger brother's orientation with his mom? You're moving into our new house. He's not just staying with you. Unfucking. You banished him to the. To I the did bathroom. banish him. You that banished is him, and he just for dunked on. Maybe if you were nicer to him, he would have just made me dunk all over. I don't have head. two sets of headphones, so that's You're why. Double, you do have two sets of headphones. Yeah, there's only one input, Jack Ben. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. What's the next? Where, where are we? Where should we go from here? <laughs> I don't know. Now we're now we're way off. Track, I don't know. So for the record, anywhere. for the record, for the people listening at home, I had like an entire list of questions to ask, and then Ben rearranged them. So, I did without no such thing. Without I put my, spa- uh, Andy, you can look. I put spaces between them, so they weren't all. No, in one they're rearranged. List. They're rearranged. They're not rearranged. They're not. Rearranged. Oh, I found one. I found a good question that we haven't talked about yet. All right. Thanks for warning us. This one reads. Uh, exactly like, not to get too political, but how has the Paris Agreement affected oh. the energy industry as a whole? The nuclear industry in specific, question mark. That's a good question. Um, Thank you, Ben. I will say it's 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 uh, essentially made it easier for fossil fuels. Oh. And as there Whoa. as Whoa. Well, you know, there's a lot of emissions-driven... Um, items and, and like you said the, the the Paris Accord and and a lot of things that the former president did and and now undoing a lot of those things is making it easier for these companies to operate different fossil fuel plants it's making it more instead of having to pay certain taxes or have to follow certain regulations it's it's cheaper to operate 
So I think. Are you talking about this as a result of us not, not being the Paris- in the Paris Agreement? I mean, well, so not directly, but as that coupled with other things that are ongoing. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily I've noticed anything, at least in my industry, that's changed. Um, that would be my speculation, though, is just undoing a lot of the regulations that, that have been placed on some of these fossil companies is making it easier for them to operate. Are like, higher, so how higher has, profits than before. at least for the rest of the world, um, or the rest of the civilized world that did join well, the Paris There's agreement. a word, it's called developed, and it's and all not just the civilized world. That's actually, no, that developed, Every. And developed and developing countries is actually, uh, we've gone back on that. That's been seen as degrading to uh, the aforementioned oh, but, developing but cause, countries. But causing non-developed countries uncivilized is not degrading? You bum. You think that I give a single fuck about Get your head out of your ass. So stop, pretend, so stop pretending right. you do. By, like, saying, actually, we've walked it back. My question was, the rest of the world that did join the Paris Agreement, how has that changed, and is that at least making a positive impact? Are more countries going nuclear as a result of the Paris Accord? Uh, I would say it's split. Some countries are moving away from it. Some countries are going towards it. Um, Key states that are moving away would be Japan and Germany. Um, they got the wind. They're like right on the Japan makes sense because they kind of fucked up big time. So people are pissed. They're uh, slowly realizing they don't have much of an option now. Uh, Germany has been pretty stubborn in their their headlong effort into shut down nuclear. And as we discussed earlier, they have some of the cheap, the most expensive energy in Europe and their emissions are actually increasing. So that's an interesting case study. Pools. Pools. That's not what you want. Is, right. would, hold on. I have, I, have, I have one more question about nuclear energy as it pertains to the world. Is it particularly difficult for a developing country like India or China, or I guess China's more developed than developing, but Brazil, to set up a nuclear plant? Like how what's, – what's the setup process? How long does it take? Is it, what's, the, this... what's the barrier to entry, if you will? Yeah. Um, so – all of those countries you just mentioned actually do have nuclear plants, but um, say a lower, lesser country or a developing nation, as you guys are liking to call it now, uh, I guess it's just money and technology. Do they want to pay someone to come in and do it? Are they going to try and do it themselves? Um, so I'd imagine it's know, a high startup cost just to like to to get one up, but. It's probably probably be easier to do solar or wind or hydro, but it's just I feel like if you could explain like, hey, guys in wherever Indonesia, like if you just build this nuclear plant, you'll be good in like fifty years. Trust us, that'd be cool. How do we how do we let them know? We got to figure that out. That's our how that's much, our mission. How, how we, much bang? How we spread the wealth. How much bang is there for your buck when it comes to nuclear, as opposed Ooh. to the other industries? Hmm. Interesting. I will say a nuclear plant costs far more to build and far more to maintain just due to the heavy regulations, especially here in the States. But the plants are designed to operate for three, four times as long. And nuclear also has a very high capacity factor, which means that it's operating more often than not. So a 90% capacity factor is roughly what a plant will be for example, uh, wind or solar is down in the 20%. So you can actually pretty well, you know, from a financial projection, know how much you're going to be making over, say, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, uranium prices don't change that much. They're not nearly as volatile as some of the fossil industries. So it's a lot easier to project your costs. It's a lot easier to project your profits. Um, so from a financial standpoint, nuclear is uh, better for the long term. Good to know. If that, that makes, makes sense. sense. It does make sense. 
I think we got one more question. It comes to us from our, our good friend, Jack Falvey. But yeah, uh, one, la- one last question before you want to give your, oh. your kind of like final spiel, your final wrap up, why we should go nuclear, your whole, uh, your whole shindig here. One more question. Thanks for, but yeah, by the way, thanks guys. Uh, we asked for you, uh, listener questions and we were given one by Jack Falvey. <laughs> so here we go. Why do you like admit that? Just like, all we had to do was not tell people we got questions. We just say, we got a bunch of them, but we don't have time. We picked the best one. Well, I fucking Here's tweeted about it and oh. put it on the Instagram don't get story. Butthurt. I don't am butthurt. I wanted people, people to ask questions. Oh, but hopefully we answered such a, a nerd about it. I'm such a nerd about it. Okay, this is the question. This is a, this is a quote. If I was given a one-week head start from the spot where a nuke was going, going to be dropped, would I survive if I'm on foot? So if, if, if I'm in... Columbia, South Carolina, right? Where Charlie's in Columbia, South Carolina, and he has one week to travel by foot away from where the nuke the nuke is gonna hit. Would he survive? I How assume far? you're 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 making moves, right? Like you're going like yeah, you're hustling. Day. It's oh like, yeah, uh, no, I'm not fucking around. I mean, like my life. How far can you move in a on day? The line. Yeah. How far how, how far can you move in a day? Are you walking? Like I don't know. Fifteen, I don't know. fifteen miles. We're just gonna More say fifteen that, miles. A, marath- a marathon's twenty. Three, okay, I'm not running people... a fucking marathon, though. Okay, I know, but here, let me finish. Let me finish my explanation, Charlie. Jesus Christ, a marathon is 20, 26 miles, right? People run it in four hours, so I could imagine you'd be able to walk a marathon in at least twelve what? hours, quicker than that. You think? Probably like eight hours, nine, nine hours? hours, and like that's like twenty, so probably like thirty miles a day. Well, okay, we... fair. We'll go thirty miles a day. So. 30, 30 miles, miles a day, day. seven are, days, you are, you're 270 clear. miles, you're clear. Yeah. How close? Even how with close like 210 miles, you're, you're in the clear. Even with like modern day, like, like the, how big was the, the nukes we dropped on Japan? Was it, it was like 10, 10 megatons? They were small, comparatively. And now there's like 50 megatons? I feel like that's a whole lot fuck times bigger. I don't know the uh, number off the top of my head. But they're pretty terrifying these days. But yes, if you're over 200 miles away, you sh- you'll be good. Good to know. Cool. That's all yeah. we need. So if you get Perfect. that heads up, not sure you would, but definitely haul ass. A week a week in advance, be like, hey, a week from today, like we're gonna shoot a nuke at you. That'd be a horrible. <laughs> that'd be the worst nuke you know ever. <laughs> that'd be the worst nuke ever. The week a week in. They just like tell everybody in one city that like, yo, we're about to drop a like. They'd be like, yo, in Colombia, we're about to drop a nuke on you guys, and then like everybody would just start walking to Atlanta, and then they just drop the nuke on Atlanta, and just like you're double the impact. He's dead. That's a good idea. That's what I would do if cut I was a terrorist. Too. We gotta cut this part too. God damn. Fuck. God damn. All right, Andy. Thank you for joining us. Great to have an actual scientist on. Hey, you know, I, I try to at least act like it. You know. You did a great job. You did you want to give? Fool. Did you want to give like one last uh, hurrah? One last why we want to go nuclear? You want to get out the vote for nuclear real quick? Yeah. Sure. Do your pitch. Uh, you know, I I guess uh, you know started by saying do your research. You know, don't believe everything that you hear. Nuclear has cheap. a lot to, lot to offer. Um, zero, as we, we discussed, zero carbon emissions. Uh, it's the most reliable source of energy that we have with a 90% capacity factor. It's one of the safest sources of energy that we have, despite all the rumors. And uh, it's something that we know how to do now. Um, I think a lot of the other... Green energies still have a little bit of a way to go. I'm not saying that they won't get there, but right now, if we want to start making changes, I think nuclear is our best option. I'd have to agree. Charles, based on this information, final thoughts on today's episodes? Yeah. I mean, you guys know I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've talked on uh, prior episodes about being pro-nuclear and why you should be pro-nuclear. So I wanted you guys to hear it from uh, the person I heard it from, the person who actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, not that you can't trust me, even though you can't. Uh, but you can trust not. him. Yeah. But you can trust him. So I hope that you guys took it Learned to heart. Something. And my, yeah. maybe you guys will become uh, soldiers in the army that is pro-nuclear. Maybe army is not the right word for pro-nuclear, but I don't Jesus. know. I'm always right. open for more questions, too. So if you guys get anything else, just feel free to shoot it my way. Yeah, if you guys have any yeah. questions after listening to this, 
uh, you can send it to us. I'll text Andy, get his answer, and then I'll post them. So, well, right. cool. Thanks for coming Thank on. For coming Andy. on, really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah, it. no doubt. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate the uh, the time. Peace. Again, special thanks to Andy for coming on the podcast. Probably the smartest person Charlie and I have each talked to in our entire lives. Um, hope you learned something new. I know I learned plenty of new things about it. I'm very excited to tell everybody I know more about nuclear energy. Charlie, final thoughts on the interview? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, went well. Great yep, to have uh, him on. Great to have him on. Uh, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at DownerPod. Make sure you're subscribing to us on, oh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice five-star review. Leave us a good rating. Really help us out. You can get me on Instagram at uh, BenDossMethod19. Get me on Twitter at underscore BenTweets. Charles, where can they find you? They already know where the fuck they're going to find me. It's going to be at similar1123 on every platform. Uh, like Ben said, make sure you're following the podcast. If you want to follow Andy, you can follow him on Instagram Ooh, at yeah. ASGainey. That's A-S-G-A-N-E-Y on Instagram. That's all I got. Look up his beautiful hair. He's got beautiful hair. So. Yeah, beautiful if hair, anything, beautiful beard. Take beautiful a look at guy. his hair. All right. That's all we got for you guys today. Hope you enjoyed a little different episode. Um, we'll see you next time. Yeah, smell you.